Welcome to Scaling with Disha, the show that helps online entrepreneurs to scale their business to six figures and beyond without the hustle or the overheads. I'm your host, Disha Waddup, and I'll be here each week to remind you that you can do anything you set your mind to. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scaling with Disha. I am so excited that you're here and Tiffany is going to blow your mind today. We're going to be talking all about tax and also diving into her story, which is incredible. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So Tiffany Phillips is not your typical accountant. She doesn't focus only on accounting and taxes. Tiffany specializes in helping her business owners, clients reduce their income tax liability by $97,000 by average by utilizing proven audit proof tax reduction strategies amazing I cannot wait to unpick all of that Tiffany hello and welcome to Scaling with Disha how are you I am great thank you so much for having me good so tell me tell me how you got started how how you wow $97,000 is incredible to be saving on tax so tell me how did you get started in business to start with and start to become this person that specializes in tax Yeah, absolutely. So I always had a bit of an entrepreneur spirit in me, even as a child. I did things like I had, it wasn't a very big lawn mowing route, but I did mow some yards. I had some some customers that I would mow their yards. I even had a jewelry making business at one point that I had regular customers that would come back for more things and always had that mind of wanting to make money. Mm-hmm. And as I grew up and went to college, even after college, still looked for those opportunities, whether it was uh, direct sales side gigs or um, really even just looking from accounting. I would do accounting for friends and things like that. And eventually I got tired of corporate. Uh, I got tired of working for someone else and making them a lot of money and decided it was time to go out on my own. Um, and that's from that point forward is a whole other, a whole other journey, as you know, entrepreneurship is just crazy. Um, but that's really kind of how it started. Um, and then from there, lots of failures, you know, in the beginning, trying to figure out how to do it, what to do when you wake up in the morning and, and I would think, okay, I know I should do things today. I know that there are things that I need to do, but I have no idea what to do. Um, so going through that and just figuring it out, what what did I need to do? Um, you know, I had a, a partnership in there for just a very short time. It was a bad partnership. That was a whole other situation. And then I finally landed in what I'm doing now. And um, it really has been the game changer in, in everything. So really kind of going back to my roots of, um, you know, counting and tax and doing the things that I'm good at. Uh, for a while, I ran away from that and tried to do other things and just have realized that that's just silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your other business that you tried to do? What was that? What was your other business that you tried to do? So it wasn't totally far away from accounting, but for whatever reason in my mind, um, when I was trying to figure out what type of business to start, and, and I would do this periodically over the course of 15 plus years, I would look at uh, franchise opportunities. I would look at, um, you know, what what is there? Because in my mind, I thought, well, if I could have someone kind of help me kind of know what to do, then I will be more successful. 
And in looking for that, I stumbled upon um, a company that had like a, a proprietary software for helping clients with payroll. And so I thought, okay, well, that's kind of niche and that would be good. The problem is, is it's super, super niche and there's not, there's not a lot of margin in there and it's not high dollar. So it was basically a poor man's game and created about $120,000 worth of debt over just over a year um, wow. of doing all the things that then I had to climb out of. So it was a really difficult lesson uh, to learn, but there was a lot of, I mean, there were a ton of things I learned in that year that have proven uh, beneficial uh, in my business. So, you know, yeah. you, you kind of you shoot yourself in the foot and you think, well, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But at the same time, had I not done that, then I wouldn't have learned a lot of the really great things that I know now, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I had, when I started social treats, my business, I also started another business um, that I was so passionate about at the time. And I started the social media management. I was like, I'm good at that. So we'll do that as well. And uh, I was like, this business is going to take off though. It was travel and fitness. And I was like, I'm going to travel and teach people how to get fit. I had no idea what I was talking about. Like I wasn't fit. I wasn't a personal trainer. I was like, but it's going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to rock this niche. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't actually know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, okay, this social media management stuff. I'm good at that. Let's, let's stick to that. (laughs) Right. But I spent so much money developing a new website, doing all the branding and everything. And then I, I never even launched it. Like nobody saw it. I think it's so easy to kind of chase those rabbits. It really is. I find myself even now where something, you know, a shiny object syndrome, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Where you see something and you think, man, this would be really great. I'd be really great at it. And this makes so much sense. And I could diversify my income. And it's a slippery slope that is very easy. It's a trap that's very easy to get yourself in. Yeah, I call it I call it Dory-itis. You're like from Finding Nemo, you're like, oh, yay, I'll go over here and that'll be great. And then you're like, uh-huh. wait a minute, <laughs> let's go back on course. And exactly. I, I suffer with that all the time. Shiny object syndrome. I'm like, yeah, I need to go and do that. And then I'm like, oh, no, just stick to what you're good at. Stick to focus. <laughs> your lane. <laughs> you're good exactly. at this. <laughs> so yeah. what would you say some of the lessons that you learned in that year where that business failed would help somebody who's doing that at the moment? What what can they what tips can you give somebody who is going down that rabbit hole at the moment and thinking maybe this business isn't for me and maybe I need to change? Yeah, I mean, at some point, like for me, you know, I was a year in and I don't even remember how much money I had made in that year. It wasn't anywhere near what I needed. And I already told you I was in about $120,000 of debt. For me, it was, I wasn't seeing significant change. Like I wasn't, I didn't have that trajectory where if I looked at the numbers, I was trending in the right direction. Um, I was really kind of wallowing and things just weren't improving. I mean, I was getting new clients and um, there were some good things happening, but it just wasn't sustainable. And I was really running out of credit and money at that point. Right. And so for me, that was probably the biggest one where I looked at my circumstances and I was a single mom at the time. I didn't go into this a minute ago, but I was a single mom. I didn't have any other income. It was literally, that is what I had. Yeah. I didn't have a significant other that was bringing in you know, a great income or anything like that. No, it was me. And 
for me, it wasn't sustainable at that point. And so I really just had to make a decision because I was either going to need to go work for someone else again and get another job because I was at that point, or I was going to have to figure out something else. And that's really when I kind of went, I really need to do what I'm good at and go back to accounting and tax. And so that was really where that decision was made. Um, It was out of desperation to be totally transparent and honest because I was desperate at that point. My son and I were about to go live under a bridge and I laugh, I kind of laugh about that. Not that homelessness is funny, um, but I kind of make light of it, but we were literally almost at the point where I couldn't pay our bills. And so um, I think if someone's at that point where they're just looking and they're trying, I mean, I, I was trying really hard. I was networking. I was doing all these things. I was trying really hard to do what I could and it just wasn't working. I was beating my head against the wall. So if there's someone listening that is kind of in that place and they're resisting doing the thing that they're really good at, um, my recommendation would be to just do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe that God designs us in a way that we have gifts and talents and abilities. And um when you use those things, it just works. It works so yeah. much easier. Um so yeah. that, that would probably be the biggest one is just use the talents and gifts that you're designed with. And what was the switch when you finally used your talents and you were like, okay, fine, universe, I'm listening. We'll go, we'll go down the accountancy yeah. route. I'm, I'm on it. What happened then? How did you scale your business and pay off all that debt? How did it change for you? Well, at the point that I made that choice, I, I won't say that it was all roses and perfect after that. There was still a lot of difficulty that kind of took place. Um, at that point, uh, a guy that I had been uh, networking with and we had been kind of giving each other business back and forth, uh, we kind of decided, you know, we have some synergies here. You know, it, it probably makes sense for us to partner. Let's do this together. And then that way we have a bit more of a cohesive offering for clients. I think this makes sense. And so I uh, he was doing some accounting, you know, I told him, well, I have the payroll and I can do tax. So let's like combine all of those and we'll just have a typical accounting firm and that'll, that'll work great. And um, <clears throat> almost immediately, you know, I, I was focusing on the sales aspect. He was focusing on client delivery, <clears throat> excuse me. And I started landing uh, clients pretty quickly and a good paying client. So we had hired a business coach, which was a big one, right? Yeah. Like if you don't have a business coach, that is huge. And not just any business coach, side notes, uh, not all business coaches, just like all not, not all accountants or tax experts or CPAs uh, in the United States. That's what, what they call us. Um, they're not all created equal, just like I'm sure not all social media managers are created equal. And yeah. so the coach we hired just really challenged us in a lot of ways. And we changed a lot of our mindset and the way that we were handling things. And it just immediately started working. Well, unfortunately that partnership in less than a year dismantled. Um, it just, it was really very crazy. It was going really, really great. And then all of a sudden it just didn't. And, um, we just had very different philosophies on work-life balance. He was like, let's work hundred hours a week. And I had a, I don't even know how old my son was at that point, but probably four or five-year-old son. And that it just didn't work. So we separated the business. Then I had to start over again. 
So in a really short period of time, I'm like, I'm going, what is happening? I don't understand what the deal is. And so then I started out on my own. And that's when I started specializing in tax saving strategies, tax planning, tax reduction. And that is the point that things really started taking off. And I was able to start paying off the debt that I had accumulated and really just making huge changes. So that was really the moment that it took me quite a bit to get to that point. And it was hard. It was really hard. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It really isn't. I, there's so so many people that come to me and I'm like, it's hot. Like it's tough. It's going to take time. And people have just started. They're like, I want six figures. I'm like, well, good luck with that because it's not going to happen overnight. Like there are struggles that you have to, and I think it's the same for everybody. I don't know many people that have, haven't had the, the struggle. And if they, even if they appear like an overnight success, usually it's not like there has been so no, much before it's that. It's not at all. And that's the thing. I mean, one of the things that I didn't realize of the many things I didn't realize, this can go back to your, what lessons did I learn? I guess question. One of the things I didn't realize was how broken my mindset was on so yeah. many different levels. And when I hired the business coach that I referenced, he did a lot of coaching regarding mindset and I realized how my mind and the way that I viewed things and my triggers and all of this stuff was impacting my entire life and not in a great way. (laughs) I had to go on a major learning journey and, and I don't think you ever arrive. You know, there's always things that you have to learn, but making those changes was really, I would say one of the biggest differences in business and really learning about myself and figuring out the areas that I needed to change. And I think if you're not willing to do that hard work, this stuff, you know, you're not just sitting at your desk, cranking out work, the hard work on yourself, then entrepreneurship will be an even bigger uphill battle. Yeah. It's, it blows my mind how much mindset can impact everything. Like not only your business, but your life, your day-to-day stuff. Like mindset is huge. And like you said, it's, constantly it doesn't matter how successful you like you're like okay let's go back to the mindset work because something's not working again (laughs) right something is not clicking we need to we need to get this figured out (laughs) yeah I think it's just a constant right you're constantly going back to it so yeah let's talk about the taxes because I know there's so many people listening that will be like okay how do we save some money so what does that look like and and I'm gonna touch on this slightly because uh for those listening if you are in the uk this is us based tax only uh we're not talking about uk strategies i will find somebody who is tax specialist in the uk (laughs) and if you're listening and you know someone send me a message (laughs) but we're going to be talking about us based tax efficiencies right now so tell me what does that even mean how can you save ninety six thousand dollars on tax Well, let me talk about, I want to kind of talk about the differences because most people, to your point, don't really understand when I say, hey, I can save you $97,000 a year. It's a very foreign concept because most people are are like you going, well, what do you mean? How, how do you do that? So most accountants, most CPAs, um, they typically do your, your bookkeeping, your accounting, They'll prepare a tax return for you, kind of typical 
accounting. That's what we all kind of know is accounting and tax. It's more checking boxes, compliance, things that have to be done, not really things that are proactive. So it's more reactive. The stuff that I'm talking about is more proactive. So it's looking at your um, your business. How is it structured uh, from an entity perspective? How does it file taxes? Um, you know, just the various things that go into that, like even personal stuff. Um, like, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have retirement accounts? Are you contributing to those? Um, do you do any kind of wealth management? There's just so many things that go into that. And so it's looking at all those things and then kind of bouncing that off of tax laws and go, hmm, where are the opportunities? And then making changes to reflect that, which then mean save taxes. So the, the thing is, is most accountants, most CPAs are really, they're in the weeds and there's just, there's so many things going on with their practice. You know, they've got clients that need meetings, they've got employees that have questions, they've got continuing education that has to be done every year. There's just a million things that have to be done. So taking the time out of that very busy schedule to learn advanced or even intermediate tax saving strategies it's hard because it takes a really um, a really deep focus to learn those things and then get them implemented, know how to actually put them in practice, and it's not easy. So the thing, like the things that I'm talking about, kind of going back to a comparison of what you're used to versus kind of what we do. Most accountants, most CPAs will say, buy a vehicle at the end of the year. You know, don't, if you get checks, a lot of people don't anymore, but some businesses do, don't deposit the checks, pay your vendors early, you know, things like that. And that is their tax saving strategy. That is what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe a couple more things, but that's basically it. The stuff that we're talking about is much more, um, it, it, like I said, it's very encompassing of your, your business, your personal, everything. It's looking at all of that stuff and really looking at it as a whole and looking at things like various types of insurances that you might be able to do to leverage, to help your company uh, mitigate liabilities. And even personally, um, there's various things that you can do to leverage multiple entities and create uh, various revenue streams that actually reduce your taxes. There are ways that you can pay your kids 100% tax-free. There are, I mean, there's just a myriad of different things that can be done. So this is not surface level. <laughs> this is really yes. it And it blows my mind how easy it is for so many entrepreneurs not to know these things. And mm -hmm. I know from a networking perspective of having conversations with people in networking environments where I'm like, oh, did you know you could save money on cars? Like we have a... a, a tax relief at the moment for electric cars only in the UK um so when I went to a networking event at the end of last year everyone's talking about which electric car is going to be the best for them to buy and those yeah. sorts of things but you learn those when you're talking to to other entrepreneurs that know the loopholes rather than your accountant which should be the person telling you these things right you That's should right. be yeah. learning that yeah. from them rather than networking and, and talking to other people who know loopholes and yeah. I think that blows my mind. I often have someone come to me. It'll be a, a new prospect, not someone working with us. And they, one of the things that they will say in our initial discovery call is, hey, my buddy that I played golf with or that I went did whatever with the other day, he says that he's doing this. Do you know if that's a viable strategy? 
And so that's exactly what happens that, yeah. you know, you're kind of talking amongst each other or they're looking at things online and they find something. I even have clients every once in a while, they'll come to me, Hey, is this something that I can do? And I mean, it's not a bad thing. Honestly, you should arm yourself with knowledge because when you're relying solely on someone else to do all those things for you, it's just kind of a recipe for disaster. I mean, we really have to take ownership and do our part also. Yeah. I want to touch on one of the things that you said uh, earlier about paying your kids tax-free. Tell me about that. Cause there'll be so many people listening to me like, wait, what? So- yeah, absolutely. So there are, as with all of these things, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So you have to make sure that you do it right because mm-hmm. the only way that it's audit proof is if it's implemented properly. Um, otherwise, if you start doing that and just start cutting your kid a check, then it will create issues. So I want to say that up front that you have to make sure you do this right. You know what you're doing. Don't just randomly start doing some of this stuff. And um, so there are some rules. So for instance, in order for this to be viable, they have to be between the ages of seven and 18. Mm-hmm. You can't pay your six month old salary. <laughs> you actually be able to do the work, right? And that's the other thing. They actually have to be able to do work. Like there, you you do have to prove that your child performed services for your business. And then those um, services have to be paid at a market level. So if you would pay a third party, you know, ten dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour, whatever that is then that is what you would pay your child. You can't go, well, they're my kid. I'm paying them hundred dollars an hour and they're eight years old. That doesn't make any sense either. So, you know, you kind of have to use some common sense on some of this, but essentially what you do to get to kind of the nuts and bolts of it is so uh, in the U S for tax purposes, there's different entities. A lot of people are either S corps or their partnerships. So that's kind of the typical one. uh, Once you get into kind of a bigger, a bigger small business, if you will. It's not just a hobby. You're getting kind of serious and you're making making some money. Well, you can't pay your child out of those entities tax-free. What you actually have to do is you have to leverage a new entity, a different entity to do this. And so the best way to do that is with a family limited, um, family LLC, excuse me. <laughs> and so you do a family LLC. You actually have to pay a management fee over to that entity for them to be paying the wages to your child and then your child doesn't pay Social Security or Medicare tax because you can exempt them from that in that particular entity. And um, from there, if you keep it under the standard deduction, then they don't have federal tax either. So wow. there you go. Yeah. So how many entities can a business have? Like you mentioned the family LLC. And is there, are there other sort of LLC combinations that businesses can have and structure their business differently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't limit you on how many you can have. I mean, there is a point of it not making sense, though. So having so there's administrative things that you have to do for an entity as well. So it has to make sense. I mean, you're you're going to pay someone to prepare the tax returns. So you have that cost. You're going to have to have another bank account. So you're going to have to keep track of that. So there's your time or whoever's time to track that as well. So you have to have a return on that investment, if you will, for it to make logical sense for you to do these things. So I've got clients that have multiple entities. Sometimes you have an entity, um, especially in real estate, 
you'll have even more entities because mm-hmm. there's liability that you are trying to protect yourself from. And, um, and I think we're kind of going deep here, but like if you own a bunch of rental houses, you don't want 20 rental houses in one LLC, someone slips and falls in your tenant's backyard. And then the next thing you know, you get sued and they just, they take your 20 houses, right? And it doesn't work out well. So there's, there are some things like that too. So whenever I start talking about this with the client, we always bring in their lawyer. Yeah. Or if they don't have one, we find them one and we work together because when it starts, when you start talking about various entities, it needs to make sense from a liability, from a legal perspective, a tax perspective, and then just administratively, like common sense, is this going to work or is it going to be too big of a pain for you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know in the UK, there's so many different things you have to do for different entities, right? Like you said about the, the submitting tax and having lawyers and, and all of that stuff. So that makes yes. total, total sense. What sort of things can we claim back that maybe entrepreneurs haven't thought about in the past? Like, are there some random things that you could claim that people would like, wow, oh my God. So I think I know where you're going with that question, but I'm going to actually answer it slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, cause there's a lot of different credits. So in the last couple of years with, um, all the things that we've gone through with the pandemic and all this stuff, and I know in the United States, they offered a lot of different things, uh, particularly to businesses, individuals got some things, but particularly to businesses to keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have seen, um, quite a few people not take advantage of is the employer attention tax credit. Yeah, okay. Where they actually were um, amending their quarterly payroll tax returns and overlaying these credits to actually get refunds from the payroll taxes that were paid in. And so that's kind of a honey hole, if you will. There's a lot of opportunity there for uh, taxpayers, for businesses. If you yeah. meet certain requirements, as with everything, there's always different. You have to make sure that you meet the requirements and that you do the things and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. And there's a huge opportunity there. And there's um, lots of businesses, even if they got the PPP credit, which um, was an SBA incentive for small businesses in the US, even if they did that, you can actually still get this if you had a reduction in income and stuff like that. So it's a huge opportunity. Wow. So there's there is a lot of credits and, and stuff for businesses, wasn't there, during COVID yes. in, in, the, in the US. So mm-hmm. other things that people... I have no idea about like that, that, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. have, have you found that a lot of entrepreneurs are taking up these, these credits or have you found that they've missed them completely? I'm finding a lot of them miss them completely. I mean, when we have someone come to us and so the way that we start our process is we do a discovery call. Uh, it's totally free. We go through and we understand kind of your business, personal, like all the things to where we can get an idea. Can we help you or not? And when we go through that from there, when they become a client, we've never had someone that we said, Hey, you can save 20,000 or 50,000 or a hundred thousand or whatever that is. We've never had someone that we told them we can save you this money. And then once I get in to actually do the tax planning, I couldn't save them that money. In fact, well, it always ends up being more because I always actually end up finding more things whenever I get in and do the work and look at the documents and you know do all of this stuff. And so there's a lot of stuff that people have no idea that they can do and save money on their taxes. And so 
you know, I, I dare say that if you are a business owner and you're profitable, like you're actually making money. Um, and again, you're a business owner. So those two things, you own a business and you're making money, you're overpaying in tax, like period, end of story. Yes. Is there, is there a specific amount, like if people are just making money, when should they start thinking about tax planning and making sure they're more efficient with their taxes? Yeah. So there is, it kind of goes back to the return on investment, right? Because you you are paying myself or someone like me to, to do this work. And it's not free, right? It does cost. So you want to make sure that you come out ahead um, when you start down this road of tax reduction. So it needs to be the most beneficial to you, right? Yeah. And so typically what I see is that if, if you're, you've kind of been in this hobby side gig, you're making money, but you're not killing it. If you're in that phase, you're probably not at the point where it makes the most sense to um, to hire someone like myself to help you. Once you get into that where you're profitable, you're making maybe $50,000, $100,000, then we're at the point where we need to start talking. I mean, I have clients that come in and they are in that side gig phase and they are being really proactive and they want to go ahead and put things in place early and just get it done to where they know it's done right from the beginning. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. And that is beneficial, but usually that is not the case. Usually people want to have um, the profit there and see the su- success and then um, hire me to do some tax reduction. And, and uh, that's between the $50,000 and $100,000 profit phase is usually where that starts. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you do the accounting side of things as well, or do you just do the tax reduction? Yeah, we can. Uh, we absolutely do both for our clients. Typically, we talk the most about tax reduction because that's the thing that people need help with. And so yeah. in my world, no one wants to really talk about accounting tax. I mean, it's <laughs> not people don't get super excited about that. Right. And I get it. I, I already told you guys I tried to run away from it myself. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but the thing is, is that um, it's necessary. It is a necessary evil. And um, when you actually talk to people about the thing that they are interested in, which is tax reduction, (laughs) then it actually opens up the door and they say, okay, well, that's great. Definitely a pain point. Absolutely something that I need help with. And I need help with my accounting. And so just, it works out better that way. Yeah. It's funny. People will always talk about saving money, not spending money, right? (laughs) Oh, you can save me money on my tax. I don't have to pay the tax on money. Great. I'm in. (laughs) I know I feel the pinch when I have to send over that large amount of money to the tax. I'm like, think of something. It hurts. And this stuff. (laughs) Goodbye. Yes, we yeah. make it a little bit better. <laughs> when we do our thing, we make that process a little bit easier. So it's not as difficult. The, the pill is not so hard to swallow. Yeah, I feel like I need a stiff drink after I hit that transfer button. I'm like, <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah, that was that was hot. <laughs> so, wow, you've given us so many things that people can get stuck into, like paying the kids and making sure they're, they're taking advantage of those COVID uh, credits as well. Is there anything else that they, that you think people listening need to be aware of to be able to help them with the tax reduction right now? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is, is if you aren't sure that, you know, if your accountant, your CPA is helping you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, like 
would it make sense to talk to Tiffany or someone like this um, and see if that can help me? The biggest, the biggest thing that I would tell you and the, the way that you'll know if they've actually helped you or if they're doing this, because I get that a lot where people say, well, I'm not sure if, if my accountant is doing this, these things. Maybe they are. I would say if you aren't sure, then they're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really and truly, if, if someone has helped you at the level that I help my clients, you know, because I go through and I actually give like a whole write up here, are all the ways that you can save money. This is exactly how much you would say, this is the total amount you'd save. These are all of the strategies that I would implement or that I suggest that you implement. And yeah. if you haven't seen something like that, you, you are not, you, you are not getting the tax planning that you need to be, even if they're kind of doing surplus, surface level stuff. I mean, I hope they are, I hope they are doing some surface level things, but if you want to take it to the next level and really make things, um, you know, streamline and get them done the right way, then it it's, it's much steeper. <laughs> so and if you're not it, sure they're not. Yeah. And is it something that you need to do regularly or is it like a once and done type deal it's not a once and done um it usually starts out that way that's what most people think but i mean in the last i guess i've been doing this for four or five years now in the last four or five years we've had so many tax law changes in the u.s i would imagine in the uk you've had the same thing we had all of the bills for covid we had the tax cuts and jobs act now we have a new administration in and they're talking about changing the tax laws again so that's just been in the last few years. So yeah. with all of those tax law changes, there are opportunities to reduce your taxes. They always put things in there. You just have to have, you have to be working with someone who is staying on top of that stuff and they know where the, uh, the spots are that are going to help you save money on your taxes. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you want to stay on top of it. Um, you know, we have clients that, you know, we only do a tax plan once every couple, three years because their situation hasn't changed that much. And, um, you know, the tax laws that they would benefit from aren't, you know, that just doesn't make sense. But then I've got clients that every year throughout the year, we're, we're doing this and every quarter we're looking at their numbers and, you know, making sure that the stuff that we have implemented, that they're doing their part and recording it right and doing the right things. And, then having conversations say, hey, have you thought about this? Because there's this other thing that I think would also benefit from you or for you. And then and then we kind of go into that. So I would say, I don't, I don't know that I would put a number, but I would say a lot of people need to be doing tax planning a whole lot more regularly. It really needs to be at least something that you're looking at every few years at a minimum. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Like to look at it regularly rather than just getting it done I guess and and forgetting about it because like you say the laws change and you guys have so many changes every time you get a new person in office like (laughs) it seems like they just turn everything upside down all over again and you start again (laughs) (laughs) I mean I guess it gives me some job security but I'll be honest me crazy too (laughs) (laughs) so do you think I I'm going to tell everybody, right. They need to go and book a discovery call with you. So see how much that you can help them save with your, their taxes right now, because I think just some of the stuff that you've said today has blown my mind. And like, I know that people haven't got some of this stuff set up, like the, the family LLC, like all of those entities yeah. that I know that people won't have had that and they won't have even thought about it, but right. 
do they need to sack or fire their current accountant to come and work with you? Or can you work in synergy together? Yeah. So they don't have to, to fire their current accountant if they don't want to. I mean, I have, I, it's kind of as some people that they just, they have this longstanding relationship and they, they want to stay within to, uh, for that person to prepare their tax returns. Um, and then we just come in, we do a tax plan, we implement that plan and they coordinate with their accountant to make sure things are done right. Um, I would say though, most people, when they realize how much they've been overpaying, they do want to make a switch because as much as you love your accountant or your CPA, once you realize, oh my gosh, I've been, you know, over the last five years, I've paid, you know, $250,000 more than I should have to the IRS, then you kind of go, wow, well, I really like you, but you're not doing me any favors. So we yeah. were able to do, you know, a number of different combinations of that. It really is um, specific to what the client wants to do. Um, and we're able to make it work. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that you think people need to know that they haven't already got from you? Because we have talked about all sorts today. (laughs) So is there anything they need to know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the main thing is, is if you're not sure um, and you're thinking, you're sitting there thinking, wow, I I believe that I could see some opportunity here. Um, It's intriguing. I would like to see, you know, A, how much I could save and B, what's the investment? Because like I said, there is an investment to work with us. So does it make yeah. sense for me in my situation? Then it just, there's nothing to lose to book a discovery call. Uh, we do not charge anything. Um, it's about 45 minutes to an hour uh, where we go really deep into kind of your situation. And then we explain the exact process. We'll, we'll show you exactly um, what we're going to be looking at to see, does this work for you? Um, and you know, what is the process to work with us? So we'll go through all those things. We'll answer all your questions. So if you're not sure, um, it doesn't hurt anything. You lose nothing, um, to book a call with us and we can figure it out. Awesome. And quick question on that. What do they need to be prepared for? Because I know when I book a call with my accountant, I panic because my books aren't reconciled. And I'm like, I can't book it just yet because I haven't done anything. And it's a little disaster. (laughs) Right. So so what do they need to have prepared? Yeah. I mean, you you at least need to know kind of high level how much revenue and profit that your business has made um, for the previous year. And if you have it for the current year, that's great. Um, As much information on that kind of stuff is best. And then the rest of the stuff that we talk about is stuff that you'll know. Great. So they don't have to panic about not having no a panic. No need to panic. Because <laughs> I know when I count calls, she's like, do you want to book a call with me? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have too much work to do before I have to show up for that call. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. If, if someone wants to work with us and they're like, they're in your situation, I say, well, I want to, but I do need to get my books kind of caught up. I'm not 100% sure that they are correct. Then um, we can actually talk about that as well. And if there's some, you know, if we need to help kind of get those things fixed and ready to go, then we can do that too. So yeah, I don't think that it should stop you from at least having the conversation. Good, good. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. I will pop your link down below so people can go and check out the website as well. And you can join us next week for another episode of Scaling with Disha. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you so much for tuning in today. And I really hope that you genuinely learned something from today's episode. 
If you found this episode useful, then please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. I personally read each and every one. Until next time, bye.